This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Welcome to this edition of Side Alpha Podcast. Today we're going to talk a little bit about education. We tend to talk a lot about being more professional in the fire service. And certainly one way to achieve a higher level of professionalism, or at least have the opportunity to achieve a higher level of professionalism, is through higher education. Higher education can help firefighters understand the profession better and to become a better communicator, an enhanced critical thinker and decision maker. But before we dive into all that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Side Alpha Podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. We're speaking today with Brian Gustafson, Assistant Professor and Director of the Master of Public Safety Program at the University of Virginia, about the benefits of higher education for firefighters, plus some of the leadership challenges currently facing the fire service. Dr. Gustafson has served in a variety of public service roles, mostly on the law enforcement side, but he actually began his public safety career with the fire service. We'll hear just a bit about that in a minute. Dr. Gustafson, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Chief. I'm glad to be here and really looking forward to this conversation. I appreciate it. And, you know, you have an extensive resume that uh, I could, hell, we could have spent the whole podcast on, right? Um, And clearly, you know quite a bit about the benefits of higher education. Um, Can can you give us a a rundown of uh, your public safety background and, and then take us to how that led you to your current role with the University of Virginia? Yeah, I'd be glad to. And it's a a bit of a meandering story. Aren't they all? Yes, right. So, um, you know, I first started a uh, uh, fire service and search and rescue uh, volunteer kind of about the same time, um, right out of high school. And uh, my first formal training was as an EMT. And so, of course, there I got to work with people in the fire service and law enforcement. And um, I went to the police academy and became a reserve police officer. And then I went to the fire academy and that got me interested in arson investigation. So anyway, kind of long story short, after volunteer and part-time work in both the fire service and policing, uh, my first opportunity for a, a real paycheck and full-time work was in policing. So that's the, the path I ended up on for the long term. But uh, I've never been one to just- points, you know, three point fire, right? <laughs> that, that is, right? Um, and I've never been one to just do one thing. Um, sure. So uh, I um, really kind of kept a foot in both worlds for a little while. And and after I, I got to working, I was a school resource officer. And then I got a, a teaching credential and I got elected to the school board, which ended up kind of taking me to, to graduate school and management roles. And, you know, it's just one thing leads to another. And um, probably like most people, you know, you never – never turned down a training opportunity. Um, and so I, uh, in, in the police service, I had the opportunity to go to the FBI National Academy and the, the federal government paid for that. And so that 
was a big chunk of my my graduate school training right there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, later on, I had uh, executive roles and uh, served uh, as an officer in the state legislature and spent some time in the the state regulatory agency and. I ran a community college uh, academy for both uh, fire academy and uh, police. And, uh, and one thing, uh, you know, that, uh, that jumped out at me just uh, a little over a year ago was this position at the University of Virginia. And, um, it, and it really kind of brings together this hodgepodge of different roles that I've had over the years. And so um, in some ways, I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up, but I'm, I'm excited that, that this kind of makes sense of my experience in education. Yeah, there are those who would challenge me on that, uh, deciding what to be when I grow up uh, just about every day, so I can relate to that, um, certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, before we dive into the topic of, of higher education, let's talk about leadership for a minute. And you've been around... Um, both of fire, EMS, and law enforcement services. So what do you see as some of the major issues affecting fire service leaders today? Since that's that's our audience, so let's focus on fire service leaders. Sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, as you and, and certainly your, your listeners know better than me, there's no shortage of major issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think some of the top concerns I see and hear about are really common to most of public service. Uh, I think about uh, recruitment and retention of quality personnel, Uh, epic incidents that exceed the capabilities of a single agency, Uh, misinformation and loss of community trust, Um, probably bigger in in law enforcement, but I think that's still spilling over into uh, the fire service and just government generally. Uh, You know, we got these, these budget and economic challenges that are related to everything from your, your general operating funds to critical infrastructure and then capital improvements. And then if you throw on top of that kind of the, the promises and pitfalls of technology and the, the need for more and new training and the social media and hacking and data hostage taking, I mean, it's just a really complicated operating, operating environment. And, you know, most of it wasn't covered at uh, basic fire control. Yeah. Yeah. And, we talked a little bit before the show started. We were talking about the way it was 40 years ago. And, you know, 40 years ago, um, there was no social media. There, the Internet was just kind of coming around uh, to be uh, a commonplace at that point. But you were still almost at the point where if you needed something, you, you needed some historical information, you went to the shelf to the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yes, um, you know that that was the era of time, and it, if you look at all of the things that um, not only that the fire service is now responsible for, but all of the social and cultural challenges of the myriad communities that we serve, and try to apply that to 40 years ago, it it, it it's very difficult to fathom uh, being successful. Without this, really, some level of higher education that we're talking about here. Yeah, I think that's a, a factor of uh, you know globalization, right? Uh, it, it used to be that if you you worked, uh, you know, like I did in a, a rural northern California county uh, where I started, uh, you you pretty much just had your environment, and uh, you know people weren't uh, 
globally mobile and, and you didn't have all that connectivity that you're, you're talking about. Uh, I mean, yeah. I was handwriting reports and if it was really important, we busted out the typewriter. <laughs> right. Right. Oh yeah. No. And I've still got one. So let's, uh, let's shift to a kind of high level look at higher education if we can in the fire service. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it come a long way in the last couple of years, uh, actually the last couple of decades there uh, at, at one time there were, really no degree programs that were specific to the fire genre other than um, uh, other than engineering, uh, you know, and you could go to a, a handful of engineering schools for fire protection engineer. Uh, it's a lot different now. And um, I think it, it'd be nice if we could help people understand uh, what's out there and um uh, hopefully uh, emphasize, you know, the benefits of higher education in particularly in light of the current challenges that we just talked about. So can you help us understand, um, you know, where we kind of where we were to where we are now and what's available? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a big question, a, a really timely one, and I expect it will be for for years to come. But, uh, you know, as you point out, there's really a couple of different veins here. There's the the real science of um, you know of fire, and um, then there's the the leadership component uh, that is kind of management and navigating people. And and I think that those are those are two different directions. Um, and maybe uh, maybe a lot of people would be well served to to do some of both. Um, but you know as I yeah, as I think about um, my program and, and kind of my expertise at this point, it's really on that that leadership management, navigating the people side. And, um, you know, I, I read an article in Wired magazine not too long ago that, you know, is talking about the the new dynamics of, of fire behavior and, and kind of how some of the, the older models and the, the science of you know, predicting spread or fire weather are, are just not what they were. Uh, you know, like you say, when, when I started, um, you, you, you had these models for predicting spread and, and it just doesn't hold anymore. And so that's a, a whole nother area that, that engineering piece that is a really growing field. Um, and, uh, and I think you see a lot more schools kind of taking that on now, uh, universities getting into that because it's such a, a big issue with, uh, you know, everything from, from climate change to, um, the the new um, the new threats right I mean uh, you've got these battery powered vehicles that uh, you know you can't just um, you know show up with your 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 tight two or three fire extinguisher and deal with it sure sure but but leading on to that that kind of leadership and management side I think it's it's necessary in a way it wasn't like you're discussing uh, say a generation ago. Um, when you and I started, and I think much of that's due to those complexities I was I was talking about a minute ago, um, and, and more that we haven't touched on. Sure. Uh, there's a there's a scholar, uh, his last name's Rosa, and he he talks about social acceleration, and it's this idea that that technology and the social landscape is changing faster than our ability as individuals to to keep up with it, and um, you know the idea of Kind of learning on the job and apprenticeship, um, I think is is still very good for the the base level skills. But when you start talking about 
um, these these greater complexities, I think we need to be thinking ahead and and um, getting it at what uh, are are the unknown unknowns, right? And, and kind of being able to look into the future, and uh, and that really requires some, I think, some practice. And um, and it's nice if you get that scaffolding. I mean, I, I know idiots with degrees, and I know savants that never went to college. So um, you know, it's it's not a one size fits all answer, but uh, uh, you know, spending some time kind of intentionally pursuing that knowledge is is what I would advocate. Absolutely, and um, you know, University of Maryland, one of the one of the four places I've attended but never finished out of. The University of Maryland uh, is certainly one of those fire science uh, program champions in the United States, and uh, there's lots of others that have programs, but. Uh, you specifically are now working with the University of Virginia, and they have a great model of uh, the types of courses we're talking about. Uh, can you walk us through the core courses that you offer there and, um, you know, maybe talk about the similarities of, of your programs to others? Because this is, you know, we're talking about higher education, not about a specific place. So maybe you could talk about the similarities of your program to others. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you make a good point there. I mean, we are really a, a public safety program. So we're, we're broadly looking at, at everything from, um, you know, kind of military leadership to fire service to policing and, and kind of those human skills that we're talking about are going to be um, really consistent across a lot of different applications. And, and many schools do uh, cover this. So so our program is, is designed around 10 courses, uh, five core courses, and then five electives. And our, our core courses are really designed to kind of grow that, that leadership capacity. So our, our first uh, course in the series is uh, called Transformational Leadership. And it's focused on adaptability and kind of the intersectoral approach. You know, think public-private partnership, shared governance, uh, translation of lessons from the private sector or military to applications in you know, public settings like a state or municipal government. Uh, really just thinking about how to lead in these uncertain and changing times. Mm -hmm. uh, we, have, we have another uh, core course and it's called the Constitutional Framework of Public Safety. And that touches on things like uh, Fourth Amendment issues, uh, I think mandatory evacuations or mandatory vaccines or mask mandates. Yeah. Um, you know, these are these are things that uh, people feel very strongly about. And, you know, if you're leading a, a public safety organization, uh, you, you need to be thinking about this before, um, you know, somebody's handing you the memo that says make it happen. Or uh, or someone sticking a microphone in front of your face and wanting to have you talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's, as you go through these, I think it's important that we um, that we agree, right, that these topics, all five of these courses, as I look at them, and you're going to finish going through them, um, really are applicable across the public safety continuum. They're not just fire service based. Um, that's certainly my feeling. I mean, if you're you could be running a hospital, um, you know, uh, uh, occupational safety and health. There's just a lot of different uh, environments where you're going to run into these broad kind of leadership and management issues. Yeah. 
Well, let's go on. You got uh, the yep. first two, you covered transformational leadership and changing times, and then the constitutional framework of public safety. Yeah, and you know, the, the I would say that I, I when I first uh, came into this uh, program, I launched it, but uh, somebody developed it uh, before me. And so I, I looked at that class in particular, and I thought, uh, a constitutional framework, you know, I, I can see, you know, um, where that makes a lot of sense for for cops or something, but what about these others? And then I, you know, and then we have this uh, this pandemic and these issues come up and yep. uh, think about like the First Amendment um, and you know our kind of our sacred right to uh, speak our minds. But mm. then you think about how that uh, that you know has to be kind of tempered with the agency needs. And you know I don't know about you, but uh, uh, I see stories uh, across uh, a wide variety of media where you have. Um, you know, people involved in uh, extremist uh, groups or um, other fringe things or, or even something as uh, old as, as porn. And, you know, how do you manage those individual rights with the kind of the agency needs and expectations? And, and we, we get into that in that course. Good. Yeah. Uh, next, we have uh, creating and sustaining systems of emergency preparedness. And, you know, that's all about pre-planning and interagency coordination. And that is an area that is getting more and more complicated and more and more frequent, I think, you know, with uh, mass fires, mass shootings, pandemics. Uh, again, um, you know, I used to go to a squad and go to a medical call and that was done. And, and people still do that, of course. But I think that we're seeing many more of these uh, interdisciplinary kind of cross-government issues than we did, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it is become you know, the, the all hazards term. We throw that around a lot, but this really does get to the core of that. And that, you know, what used to be at least in, maybe in our minds, but what used to be very clearly defined as an emergency management function or a fire function or a law enforcement function, the lines are blurred a lot more now than they used to be, and um, I don't know that that's necessarily by design, but it's but it's just as things have happened. That's how uh, we have evolved, right? As an all service, all hazards uh, kind of agency that uh, is working together across across uh, agency borders, and that just wasn't always the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Gordon Graham, uh, one of the co-founders of Lexapol, is on our faculty. And, and you know, Gordon will make the point, um, you don't want to be meeting the person at your partner organization, uh, you know, when the, the call's gone out, right? You, you want to have, have those relationships and have been thinking about these intersections, you know, long before uh, the emergency comes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in our next yeah, so uh, community dialogue, and uh, again, I think this is um, this is engaging stakeholders and uh, thinking about your your public expectations and values for your work. And there are lots of issues facing the fire service in this regard uh, when we think about the wildland urban interface, uh, drug overdoses, safe injection sites, kind of Narcan, private fire brigades. I mean, there's a, a lot of issues. Um, where a fire agency does or doesn't do something and what they prioritize in their deployment isn't a given. Uh, so I think this, this course talks about how to um, 
kind of think about where you put your resources and what you're going to do. And that, you know, in America, that's really different depending on where you live and who you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and what the, what your neighbor's capabilities are and, um, you know, just what the, the, uh, cultural environment that you're in it's it's different everywhere so you know good stuff yeah Yeah, so that that is just a an important piece um and then you know finally we have a course in stewardship of public assets and managing human capital and that you know that's budget and hr and i think uh any any good management uh program anywhere in america is going to have this and it's something that's getting harder to deal with when we have uh, recessions, the great resignation, uh, the baby boomer brain drain. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of things happening with people and money. And again, not, not something that you, you learned at the academy. And, um, and you can certainly learn this by doing. Um, but if you can get some kind of formal supports, it, it, it helps, I think. Sure. You know, one thing I don't see in um, in this, and I suspect it's it's covered somewhere in in the five uh, uh, sub courses, or maybe they're electives. I'm not sure. The other five are they elective courses, or they're they're just not core programs? Uh, they they're elective, so you can yeah. you can kind of customize that in our situation. So the the thing that I don't see, and I when I teach uh, and deliver programs on leadership to fire departments across the country, I talk a lot about politics, and I don't mean knocking on door, asking for money politics, although I mention that. Um, I talk about the nuances of, uh, and it's touching on community dialogue, but the nuances of working with your politicians, and specifically I tell people, make sure you know what makes your elected officials tick and what makes them sick, because it's important for us as leaders to be able to um, work through those dynamics if we're going to be successful in that community dialogue and be successful in uh, the budget and all the different things that, uh, you know, again, plainly that we know what makes them tick and what makes them sick. Do any of your programs touch on those those areas? Yeah, absolutely. Great point. Uh, there is a, a component in both the leadership uh, course and the, the dialogue course uh, that, that talk about uh, kind of the, the intersection of uh, you know, public administration and politics. And, uh, and you know, that's something that, again, uh, comes up a lot now, I think more than it used to, uh, where, uh, you know, in, in the law enforcement side, certainly, you know, you had uh, uh, different subsets of government that, uh, you know, would or wouldn't, uh, you know, take on a mask mandate, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, sometimes you get it both in an agency where you have, uh, you know, an elected sheriff, say, um, that is the, the politician and the doer in one person. And then other, other times, you know, you would have uh, elected leaders uh, kind of dictating to uh, your appointed department head, and, and you have to be able to navigate that. And uh, you know, you're, yeah. you're absolutely right. Really important, and I'm glad that that's covered in the program. Uh, I think a lot of kind of tying into the First Amendment discussion, a, a, a lot of chiefs over the years uh, have tended to put that cluster or the five bugles on their collar, and it's, it's not forgetting where they came from, but they forget that they're still accountable and that uh, they still have... 
they, they, they still have mission that goes beyond being the chief and creating that culture that is both um, a healthy community dialogue, but also a, a healthy dialogue that helps their department function uh, is is critical. And, and having those pieces that you've talked about is uh, is part of that. Yes, and and you know, thinking about that before you before you end up in that chair, I mean, what what is your line? Um, yeah. You know, if if you absolutely need that paycheck, you may not want that top job. Um, right. You, you get asked to do something that you don't believe you should, or get told to do something, um, or or asked not to do something that you think is important, right? And, and kind of that intersection of uh, your values and um, and what you believe is your duty as a professional, and you know, yeah. you hope that never comes up, but it does, right? A, a yeah. Lot of oh yeah. No, and I've I've personally been faced with that uh, at, but it was an easy decision for me because the request was illegal. Yeah. And, um, you know that you you have to have uh, your uh, breaking points, if you will. Uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm not going to do something that's illegal, that's going to jeopardize um, my job or my freedom or my agency's credibility. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. And I think uh, we'll dive into the elective courses here in just a minute. But let's hear another quick word from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that include policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. All right, Doc, can you tell us a little bit about the elective courses? We covered the five cores and we kind of touched on that one piece of politics, but uh, you tell us a little bit more about them and, and how our public safety leaders should be paying attention to these areas. Yeah, absolutely. We have electives covering a variety of areas that are going to be useful to anyone in management or leadership in the public sector. And the the design here is such that you can select electives based on uh, either your needs or interests. And so we cover, um, you know, basic um, public administration, I say basic, but you know, I mean, that's kind of a, a core function. So everything from uh, finance and budgeting and uh, policy uh, courses in those areas uh, to um, electives in leadership. Uh, so uh, managing people, inspiring people, managing through change, um, courses like that. Uh, we have um, electives in cybersecurity. So, you know, thinking about um, Public service today is, again, very different, right? It used to be I, I needed to lock the file cabinet, <laughs> right? And, and now we've got these massive databases uh, that you can access from, from most any piece of equipment, right, uh, with your, your mobile terminals and, uh, you know, kind of securing that information and, and what you do. Again, not, not uh, a basic skill. And, you know, a lot of these 
um, municipalities, especially the smaller ones, um, maybe not having um, a, a chief information officer or a chief technology officer with expertise in that, uh, you know, your your department leaders need need to have some skills. So we offer electives in cybersecurity, uh, project management. Um, you know, a lot of our our um, equipment and facilities are are aging out. So you know, being able to put together a, a request for proposals, you know, seeking out qualifications of vendors, uh, thinking about what are the steps in uh, building a new fire station. Um, you know, project management skills are uh, essential, and so we have electives in that area. So if you're the, you know, the new um, uh, you know, division chief that's being tasked with uh, creating a new station, uh, that's the kind of course that could be very helpful. Um, we also have uh, risk management. Uh, Gordon Graham teaches a course on uh, you know, practical risk management for public safety operations. And in that, uh, he drills down in, in the 10 families of risk. Anybody who's uh, heard Gordon talk uh, knows he, he'll tell you that predictable is preventable and uh, that if we aren't looking at our risks, uh, we aren't being good uh, stewards of the public trust. And so um, that is a, a course that is very popular across disciplines um, because you, you really spend time thinking about kind of documenting and then planning out mitigation steps for the different risks uh, that you will face in your organization. Uh, so, you know, we, we give people the opportunity to kind of select those electives uh, based on their, their interests. And, um, you know, we've got uh, roughly 40 classes uh, to pick from in that elective area. So a broad, broad spectrum of choices in our program. Yeah, good stuff. And, you know, I, Specifically, one you touched on, uh, project management, is something that I really wish had been uh, available as I was coming up through um, the administrative side of my career. Because, uh, you know, the, the projects keep coming. Uh, the, the pace of new development and, and, in our case, building stations and changing apparatus and uh, it's just one of those things that uh, I certainly wish a program like that was available then, and uh, it's good to see that it's out there. I, I don't think firefighters or some fire chiefs pay enough attention to the importance of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part of that leadership role. I know you worked in, in some big places where, you know, when you start talking about spending, you know, 50 or $100 million to do something, that is just, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> Unless you your last name's Buffett, you don't really know how to deal with that kind of money, right? Right. You you can't do that on a wing and a prayer. I mean, I know some some people uh, want to think they do uh, or think they can, and and you know, uh, every once in a while uh, they they do. It, it does work out, but it'd be much better to have had the formal education to uh, work through that process with integrity and uh, transparency and not have it be a shot in the dark. So that's good. Um, I'm, you know, I'm honest enough sure. to say I've been lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, certainly I think all of us have a certain amount of luck in this business because the chaotic frenzy that um, is who we are uh, doesn't lend itself to a uh, nice leather-bound book that you just open and take notes in every day. It's just, you know, we don't have this clean, sanitized environment that uh, um, 
you you know that luck is luck is a big part of who we are let's face it yeah so as um as we we come towards the end here can you spend a few minutes talking about advice that you may have uh for fire service leaders or maybe not they're not a formal leader today but they're on their way towards being one and what it takes to uh, lead a crew lead a team and maybe help them understand how higher education can help them be a better leader that's a that's a a big ask and i'll tell you i'm still learning this uh myself um uh, i think that the most important thing is to start with humility I would say when I became a police sergeant, um, I thought that it was my job to have all the answers for the officers on my shift. And uh, the older I get, the more misguided I realized that was. Uh, It it wasn't true 20 years ago, and it certainly isn't true now. Uh, There's just too much to know. So uh, I think one of the strengths of of higher education is that you learn how much you don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so anyone who wants to grow as a leader, I think, uh, ask good questions, spend more time listening than talking, you know, um, grow your network and and share the knowledge. That was another thing I was terrible at uh, when I was younger is, uh, you know, I would learn something and I, I would kind of hoard that and think, oh, OK, I've got this, uh, you know, this this piece of uh, knowledge that's going to make me uh, the go to person. And, uh, you know, I, I look back and I'm, I'm embarrassed by that. Um, you know, Gordon, again, uh, great mentor, uh, Gordon Graham will talk about making the knowledge of one knowledge of all. Uh, he says that, you know, that's his goal for public safety. And, uh, you know, what programs like this and Lexipol, I think, do a lot of. And it's that kind of humble willingness to offer and accept help, I think, that is just key to kind of anywhere you are in that, that leadership spectrum. Yeah. And that's uh, great advice for us to close out on there. Any final thoughts or anything else you want to cover on higher education or anything else for our firefighters? Well, I just uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And I think uh, I'd reiterate that the world isn't getting any simpler. So uh, it, it's all about uh, people and uh, wh- wherever you are in your, your public service career, uh, some higher ed will probably help you uh, deal with people better. Absolutely. And uh, you are absolutely on target with uh, the world's not getting any simpler. Uh, Our mission, our job, while the mission is always about service, our job is more and more difficult every day. And uh, the more education, whether formal or informal, the more education that our firefighters and our leaders uh, accept and give uh, will make us better people in the long run. Um, Doc, I appreciate your time with us today. Some takeaways from our discussion with Dr. Gustafson. Uh, We talked a lot about uh, higher education and in specific the programs at uh, the University of Virginia where um, Dr. Gustafson is the assistant professor and director of the Masters of Public Safety program there at the University of Virginia. Uh, The five core programs were transformational leadership in changing times, constitutional framework of public safety, developing and implementing systems of emergency preparedness, creating and sustaining community dialogue, and stewardship of public assets and managing human capital. 
within those five core programs, there are over 40 electives underneath of that. Uh, several of those we talked about, public administration, leadership, cybersecurity, project management, risk management. Uh, but there's 40 uh, that we talked about there, and certainly uh, we'll have uh, a link to their program in our show notes uh, so that you can uh, you can click on that and, and get more information about it. We talked about some of uh, top concerns affecting the fire service, which really they're concerns that affect all the public safety continuum, not just the fire service, but recruitment and retention, and not just recruitment and retention of whoever, uh, but recruitment and retention of uh, uh, good and reliable help. Uh, we talk about the uh, escalation of uh, epic incidents and, and how those uh, are not only getting bigger and bigger, there's more and more of them. Uh, talked about misinformation and the loss of public trust. Again, a lot focused on law enforcement, but there's also more than most people want to accept focused on fire and EMS. Talked about how budget, technology, and, and then finally the globalization versus individual environments has really changed how we learn and how we deliver service. Uh, then in the higher education discussion, we did talk about the kind of the dynamic differences of the science programs versus management and leadership programs, uh, and then uh, went on uh, to talk a little more about the University of Virginia programs. And then in his final advice, um, Dr. Gustafson offers these four basic tips uh, for leaders that are uh, coming up and are uh, beginning to explore their educational path. One was to start with humility. Uh, and it, to, to paraphrase, uh, you don't know it all and don't have to know it all. Uh, you have uh, a team and a crew of people with you. And uh, point number two was spend more time listening to them and to others, but spend more time listening than talking. And then point number three was uh, share the knowledge. And uh, the fourth point there was uh, Gordon Graham's mantra of make the knowledge of one the knowledge of all. And it was a great way to uh, end our program today. Folks, that's all we have time for. We've been talking with Dr. Brian Gustafson about higher education for firefighters. Dr. Gustafson, thanks for being with us and thanks to our listeners for hanging in there. This is Mark Bashore, Executive Editor for FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. We'll talk to you next time here on the Side Alpha Podcast. Have a great day on purpose. Keep safe, stay smart, and take care.